0: It's always exciting news, isn't it? You ever have your, your panic, your panic setting go off and you don't realize it? And you look around and say, who in the world, why don't they shut? Oh, that's my vehicle. That happened to me several times. All right. Well, find your find your Bible, if you would, and go to the book of Genesis chapter 22, Genesis chapter 22 in the Word of God, Genesis chapter 22. It's exciting to me to see the things that the Lord has done at the Platte Valley Baptist Church over the years. I remember being in the old building and uh, ministering there, and now the Lord has given you this, and you know, it's there's going to come a time when when you're just going to have to look around and say, we got to have more space, and uh, that's not a fat joke. That just means that we've got a lot of people, and uh, we've got uh, going to have to do something about that. But it's wonderful to to see what the Lord has done. I'm glad to see you here. I, I trust and I pray that the Lord speaks and ministers to our hearts. Genesis chapter 22 is honestly one of the most difficult passages in all the Bible. Because of what God asks of a man. Honestly, I don't have all the answers. Why would God do such a thing? I don't necessarily have all those answers, but I don't need all those answers. He's God, and Abraham had the right response in this passage of Scripture. And that was to trust what God had to say. But I would like us to look in the beginning at one verse of Scripture here in this passage of Scripture. Genesis chapter 22 And I'd like us to look at verse 14, Genesis 22 and verse 14. And I want us to see what the Bible has to say. If you're able to stand, I would invite you to do so. If you can't, we we certainly comprehend that. But uh, let's just read, and uh, you follow along in verse 14 as I read. The Bible says, And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said To this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Father, help us as we look into this passage of Scripture. We need your help today. We pray that you would give us what we need. I pray for that person who's listening to my voice. Maybe they're in the, the auditorium today or maybe they're listening by way of live stream. But, Father, they've never trusted you as Savior. I pray that today would be the day of their salvation I pray, dear Father, that you would work in a special way in all of our hearts, saved and unsaved alike, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. You understand that in the Old Testament, names are very important. Names are very important even today. I heard a comedian talking about the difference in the United States over the generations. He said, in my generation, if you got hurt, it meant that your name was changed. He said there was a fellow who uh, had some kind of accident and it, and it made his eye so that he could no longer see out of that one eye. And he said, from that point on, until the day that boy was out of our lives, we called him Amer because he only had one good eye. That was his name. That was Amer. He said, I remember a friend of mine fell out of a tree and ripped most of one of his fingers off. After that, we called him Niner. Everybody called him Niner. He didn't have ten fingers anymore. He only had nine. And so names have been, and days gone by, names have been an important thing. In the Bible, that is certainly true, especially when it comes to hyphenated names of our God. Now, we have one such hyphenated name here in this passage of Scripture. It's the name Jehovah Jireh. There are many names like that, however, in the Word of God. For example, there is Jehovah Shammah. That's in the book of Ezekiel. Jehovah Shammah means The Lord is there. There is Jehovah Sidkenu in the prophets. It means the Lord, our righteousness. There is Jehovah Sabaoth. Maybe that's one that we know a little bit more. It means the Lord of hosts or the Lord of armies. Here we have Jehovah Jireh. I don't know, pastor, this may be the most common, the most uh, well-known hyphenated name of our God that we encounter anywhere. What does it mean? Literally, the Hebrew words, Mean the Lord will see to it. The Lord will see to it. In other words, in your understanding and mine, the Lord will provide. Now I got to tell you, it's amazing to be in the place where the Lord is providing for you and for me. And honestly, whenever we hear of the Lord's provision, there's something within us that says, I want to be in that place. I'm going to be in the place where the Lord provides. Yeah, you heard about it here in this church, but it uh, was it was last year. I was on my way to North Carolina from Mississippi, and uh, we were driving along. I was taking my daughter Abigail to uh, to our, our first year of college, and uh, and boy, everything was kind of bittersweet, you know. Abigail was no longer going to be traveling with us, and uh, so off we went. And uh, we were we were not far away. We were maybe I don't know ten miles out, something like that, and uh, and literally. The wheel, I heard a noise on my truck. It was just a two-lane highway. It was on a hill and on a curve, which is everywhere in western North Carolina. And so I stopped the vehicle. We got out. My son Daniel and I were walking around. What is that noise that we're hearing? And we looked at the rear dual wheels. All eight lug studs had broken off. I'd never heard of that happening. I've heard of it on a Chevrolet, but I drive a I drive a Ram, you know. So I, I'd never heard of that happening on a Ram. I told you I told you about the Mattel company, didn't I? The, the Mattel company they they make toys. Mattel makes toys. They make among others they make Matchbox, and they've they, they've signed a multi-million dollar deal with General Motors to make all kinds of Chevrolet Matchbox cars. That way, people can get used to pushing their Chevy at an early age. Amen. And so. I was I was used to hearing that about Chevrolets but I never I never had that kind of a problem mean like hundreds of thousands of miles on my ramp, I never I never had that kind of an issue and yet there it was well, I didn't know what to do. I thought, you know, I, there's no auto parts store available at this time. And so a lot of work went into it, and uh, it just it just kind of went downhill from there. I didn't get in until the, about 2 o'clock on a Sunday morning. And uh, then, uh, then I had another problem. We were driving again. I'd had some work done to the truck, and uh, we were driving again, and another wheel came off. I said, ah, what is this? When the wheels start falling off your vehicle, maybe it's time to look for something else, you know? But there was one problem. I could afford parts. But I couldn't afford a new truck. You seen how much they want for these new trucks nowadays? Well, so I was on my way to a meeting, and uh, everything was everything was kind of up in the air. I was driving a borrowed vehicle, and I was preaching in New York City. and uh, while I was in New York, I got a call from a man that said, uh, brother Paul, It doesn't make sense to me for you to keep pouring money into an old truck. I can't argue with that, but again, parts are cheaper than the whole thing. And he said, i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take some money out of my retirement, and I'm going to give it to you. He said, there's another man that's heard about it. He's going to take some money, and he's going to match every penny that I give. There's another man that's heard about it. He's going to match both of our donations. And, man, one thing led to another. This church was involved, as were churches all over the country. And by the time everything was said and done, God had provided a brand-new truck for me i got to tell you, it's the nicest vehicle I've ever owned. People say, Brother Paul, how's your truck going? Are you kidding me? When it's cold this morning, I hit a button twice. It starts up. The heated steering wheel engages. The heated leather seats engage. I've never had anything like that in my life. I'm in high cotton, as we say in Mississippi. I love it. And God has provided it for me. The Lord saw to it. Now, all of us want to be in that place where the Lord sees to specific needs that we have. The Bible says, the Bible uses the word mount here. Do you see that? It's in verse 14. The Bible says, Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh as it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. A mount is what you would think. It's a mountain. So this place called Jehovah Jireh was a mountain. You listen, you and I want to be in that place where God is providing. We want to see God's miraculous provision. Maybe you don't need a new vehicle, but maybe you do. Who knows? God is in the business of supplying for your needs, just like He's in the business of supplying for mine. But let me just tell you, there is a process in this passage of Scripture in order to get to the mount of the Lord. We love to focus on verse 14. In the mount of the Lord, it was seen there. God miraculously provided for His, uh, His servant Abraham. And God did some great things. But I want to tell you that before we could get to the mount, there had to be some things true in Abraham's life. I want us to look at those things today. And I want us to see that you and I must obey God by faith in order to, uh, to witness His miraculous provision. So let's go to Genesis chapter 22 and verse 1. Can we do that? Genesis chapter 22 in verse 1. What does it say? The Bible says, it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, behold, here am I. I want us to look at some things. I want us to consider, first of all, the path to the mount the path to the mount because there was a process, a series of events that had to take place in Abraham's life before he could get to the mount, the mount where, where God was going to miraculously supply his need. I want you to notice the path to the mount. The Bible says in this verse that God did tempt Abraham. Now, lest you misunderstand, that does not mean that God was endeavoring to get Abraham to do evil. That's not what he was doing. The Bible says in James chapter 1, God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. It means he doesn't tempt men in the sense of trying to get them to commit sin. God wasn't trying to get Abraham to commit sin. Rather, God was issuing a test for Abraham. And if Abraham passed the test, it would be good. If Abraham didn't pass the test, well, there was more that he had to learn. But that's what the Bible means when it said God did tempt Abraham. I want you to notice that if there was a path, there was a series of events leading up to the mount, and there are a couple of noteworthy things that are true of the path to the mount. First of all, God comes to Abraham, and, and He calls His name. And notice what it says in the end of verse 1. He, Abraham, said, Behold, here I am. You're going to find this about people that were mightily used of God. They were available. They were available. Now, that's an important thing. It's an important thing because sometimes you and I like to focus on superstar servants of God. Oh, this man has done something great. This woman has done something great. And you know what? Praise God for every man and woman that does something great for God. But I'm going to tell you something. As I travel around the country, I am in need of tools from time to time. As I was leaving here and as I was heading back uh, after the November meeting in 2022, I uh, I had brand new axles on my trailer, but one of those brand new axles failed in Tulsa, Oklahoma. As in, steam is pouring out of it. It's not supposed to happen. I don't know why it happens, but there it was. And before I could get off the road, Pastor, the, the axle had marred itself. It had, the whole thing had to be replaced. Some people came along, oh, Brother Paul, don't you know you can cut that off with a cutter and, a, and a, you know and weld the new one on as long as you weld it on perfectly. You know what? You just started talking a different language to me because I don't own one of those cutters. If it's beyond the all I can't handle it, okay? I don't own any of those cutters, and I don't have the means to weld things on. But you know what? I did have a few tools. They weren't as, as fancy, and they weren't as uh, outstanding as those tools, but they were available tools. And you know, the reality is, if you and I can just uh, get it through our heads, all God wants me to be is available, All God wants me to be is available. Some of you men heard the announcement about the conqueror's class. You know what? You just ought to decide to come. You just ought to be here on a Monday night, and you ought to be available. And you ought to say, dear God, if you can help me, if you can change me, if you can strengthen me, then I'm going to make myself available. I tell you, every time that God calls Abraham's name, Abraham's available. And I want to ask you, are you available? Abraham was available in verse 1. I want you to notice what it says in verse 2. God is speaking. He says, take now thy son. Thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah. So far, so good. But then the next three words, and offer him. Offer him, the Bible says, there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. I want to tell you something. This is the most difficult thing, as far as I know of, that God ever asked of any man in the Bible. God is telling Abraham, for all your life, you've left Ur of the Chaldees, you have come to this place, this land of Canaan, all of your life, I have told you, your seed will be as the stars of heaven. Ishmael is not the seed of promise, Isaac is the seed of promise. And now, I want you to take Isaac, and I want you to offer him for a burnt offering. I don't know of anything more difficult in all the Bible that God had ever asked of any person. But I want to tell you, even though God asked this difficult thing in verse 3, Abraham did it. Look what it says. The Bible says, Abraham rose up early in the morning. And saddled his ass and took two of the young men with him and Isaac his son and clave or split the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. Can I tell you, we're talking about the path to the mount. How does a person get from where we live in a normal day-to-day basis to that wonderful place of God's miraculous provision? I submit to you, the path to the mount is first of all, you and I must be available. Second of all, you and I must be dependable. Here's a man, and he's told to do something very difficult. You've never been told to do anything so hard. I've never been told to do anything so hard. But Abraham was, and when he was, when he was told that, he did it before Almighty God. I want to tell you, the path to the mount means that you and I are going to have to learn to be dependable. We spoke a little bit about that in the, in the Sunday school lesson. We had a two-word Sunday school lesson. Anybody that was there, hopefully, will be able to remember the two words that, that were a part of Sunday school. Anybody remember? Can we say them together? What we're are they? Show up. Show up. That was it. It's an important Bible concept. And so that's what Abraham is doing. God says, here, I want you to, to take your son and I want you to offer him on the mountain as a burnt offering. And Abraham says, I don't understand it. I've never heard anything like it. I don't know how God is going to be true to his word and still have me do this, but I'm going to do what God has told me to do regardless. I want to tell you something. That's an amazing thing. Notice what the Bible says. The Bible says in verse, in verse 4, And then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Now, I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot going on in verse 3. Ladies, if you'll study carefully, there's a lot that you can understand about men in verse 3. Notice what it says in verse 3 again. We'll just kind of take a rabbit trail here, all right? Are you listening, ladies? Are you taking notes? Abraham rose in the mo- early in the morning. Saddled his ass, took two of the young men with him and Isaac his son. And then you notice this, Abraham clave. Now that word clave, we don't use that word today. We say we split the wood. That's what we say today. But the Bible word is he claved the wood. What does that mean? Abraham had plenty of servants that could have split that wood. Abraham had plenty of people that uh, he could have given them the order. Hey, I want you to go out and split the wood for me. They could have done it. But that's not what this man decided to do. This man said, you get the animals, you get the other provisions, but I'm going to take that ax in my two hands, and I'm going to be the one personally to split that wood. Let me tell you something, ladies. Sometimes your man just needs to go out and do some physical labor to help clear his mind and to help set himself and to help do what he needs to do. Don't chase after him. Don't think, oh, he doesn't love me. No, no, no. You let him be a man. You let him be a man. You let him do what he needs to do because that's the way men deal with things. That's what Abraham's doing right here. He said, y'all go get the animals. I got to do some hard physical labor because I've got some difficult decisions that I'm going to have to make. Well, verse verse 4, on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes. They've been traveling now for three days. The third day, you imagine what every step must have been like for Abraham? Pastor Monday, I must destroy my son. I must destroy my son. Two days, they're walking. Every step that he takes, yes, there are the servants there. Yes, there's Isaac there. Yes, there's the animals there. But I I have to be the one. I must destroy my son. Every single day, every single step that he took on those two days, he wanted to bolt and run. He wanted to be anywhere else. He wanted to go anywhere else. I don't want to do this, but God has told me to do this, so I'm going to obey. I must destroy my son for two days. And then on the third day, finally they come to Moriah. There it is. God said, Abraham, that's the place. That's the place where I want you to do this deed. I want you to understand something. All of us long to be in that place of God's miraculous provision. But I want to ask you, are you willing to take the path to Mount Moriah? Are you willing to be available? Are you willing to be dependable? I want you to understand, when they got to the mount, there was a problem on the mount. We've looked at the path to the mount, but notice there's a problem on the mount. Notice in verse 5, the Scripture says, And Abraham said unto unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and it's implied that we will come again to you. Now, I don't know how Abraham thought that was going to work. I don't think he knew how it was going to work. But he just understood God promised me Isaac. And even if I obey God and do this, God's going to bring us both back. I don't know how. But notice verse 6. Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid the wood upon Isaac his son. Young man understands something. It's good that a man should bear the yoke in his youth. Notice what Abraham took up the mound. Abraham took the knife and the fire. But the great big load of wood, that was on the young man. Okay, Don't get bitter or upset when your father asks you to do the hard lifting, the heavy lifting. That's just part of it. Okay, So the Bible says, Abraham took the wood and laid it upon Isaac, his son. He took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. Now, verse 7, we begin to see the problem. Here it is. Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire in the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Pastor Monday, I get the idea that this was not Isaac's first sacrifice. I get the idea that maybe he'd been through this before. I get the idea that maybe Abraham had stopped to sacrifice to God, and Abraham had included his son in times before, and so Isaac knew the procedure. There's the fire. Yes, there's the wood, and, uh, and there's also a lamb. We bring a lamb as a sacrifice to God, and so the problem of the mount is this. Where is the lamb? Isaac, Isaac says, Dad, I got the wood. You put it on my back. I'm carrying it up the mountain, and I'll gladly do so, and you've got the fire in your hand, and you've got the knife. But there is no lamb. There's a problem on the mount. I want you to notice what the Bible says in verse 8. The scripture says, Abraham said, My son, God will provide Himself a lamb for the burnt offering. Oh, the theologians love to get together and they love to just look at words and they love to ask the questions about words. Well, is God saying, is Abraham saying, God will provide for Himself? A lamb? Or is he saying God will provide Himself as a lamb? Can I answer the theologian's questions? Yes! Because both are true. God will provide for Himself a lamb. And hear me, God will provide Himself as a lamb. But the problem of the mount still looms before us. Notice verse 9, they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. We still haven't really come to the problem of the mount, but now here it is, and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Now, church, I want you to listen to me very, very carefully right now. Everyone wants to be on that place, Moriah's Mount, where we see Jehovah Jireh and the miraculous provision of Almighty God. Everyone wants to be there. But before we can see the provision of God, we as Christians are going to have to learn to solve the problem of the mount. Here's the problem. Are you listening? Will you surrender to God what is dearest to you? That's the problem of the mount. You see, Abraham gets there. There's Isaac. There's the wood. There's the fire. There's the knife. But the problem is this. In this now moment of truth, now that we know the place where this sacrifice has to be made, Abraham, father of faith, will you surrender to God what is dearest to you? Are you willing to do that? God, we know the end of the story. We've read the end of the story. God's going to do a miraculous provision that's wonderful. But Abraham, before you can see that provision, are you willing to come to God and surrender to God what is dearest to you? I want to ask you something. Those of you that know Christ as Savior here today, are you willing to surrender to God what is dearest to you? Are you willing to do that? So many times we have all kinds of things that we're willing to surrender to God. God, you can have this, you can have that, you can have the other thing, but there's one thing that I've reserved for myself. And Lord, I don't want you to have that. This is mine, and I want to keep it. And Lord, you can have these other things, but Lord, please don't ask for this. You know what? For Abraham, the one thing was Isaac, his son. And right now, the problem of the mount is now laid bare Abraham, will you surrender to God what is dearest to you? I wonder, wonder how about us this morning? Are we willing to surrender to God what is dearest to us? Wait a minute, wait a minute. The Bible says here in this passage of Scripture, the Bible says that in verse 9, He laid the wood in order and he bound Isaac his son and laid him, that is Isaac, on the altar upon the wood. So we know that Abraham was willing to say to God, I am willing to surrender to God what is dearest to me. But hear me, somebody else is surrendering on this mountain too. And that's Isaac. Isaac was young enough that when it came time to carry the wood, you put all the wood on Isaac. That means he was young That means he was strong. He was able to carry it. It also means he probably could have gotten away from his dad very easily on the top of the mountain. But not only did Abraham surrender to God here on the mountain, Isaac also surrendered as well. You see, there's a path to the mount, but there's a problem with the mount. But I want you to notice something else on the mountain. The Bible says in verse 10, Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Do you see the picture? His son is bound. Why was he bound? Because the natural tendency would be to get out of the way of a plunging knife. Abraham didn't want to think about it. Isaac didn't want to think about it. But in verse 10, the, the knife is now in Abraham's hand. It is, now plunged. it is now raised above his head. Gravity will help the blow so that it comes down. And as swiftly as a knife wound can be to kill Isaac, that's what Abraham is going to do. Those of us today, we would, the psychologists today would talk about post traumatic stress disorder. We would talk about how it would plague Abraham for the rest of his life, how that Abraham would realize I was the means of destroying my son. Whatever God chose to do with Isaac after that, he would still be plagued. I was there. It was I who held the knife. And so it is. And in in chapter, and verse 10 of chapter 22, the knife is in his hand, It it is raised above his head. And verse 11, the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, I wonder, I wonder if Abraham hesitated before he gave that same answer that he had given initially. Remember in verse 1, God called to Abraham and he said, here am I. Now in verse 11, I wonder, here am I. I wonder if it was with the same sort of enthusiasm. The first time I said here am I to the Lord, he told me to do something hard. And now I'm about to do it and now God is calling me again. But you see, the same Abraham that was available in verse 1 was also available in verse 11. Didn't change. God called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. Verse 12, and he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld, when thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. So in the end, what happens? Well, the knife doesn't come down into the sun. Abraham does not take the life of his son Isaac. Instead, he takes the, the knife and he puts it back in the sheath. And maybe he comes and he unties his son. And maybe they embrace. And, and he realizes, God has, is, is, in fact, I've withheld me from doing this. And, and I have somehow passed the test. Abraham didn't understand it. But he did pass the test. We've seen the path to the mount. We've seen the problem of the mount. But I want you to notice, number three, there's a provision on the mount. Look at the Provision. There's a provision, the Bible says, because in verse 13, Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns, and Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. You see, there's a provision. God God was about to make known the fact that all along he was going to provide. Listen, that's the stories that you and I love to hear. God's provision for my needs. God will see to it. Jehovah Jireh. But boy, it took some doing to get there on Abram's part. Now, let's look a little bit at the provision as we close this morning. There were three provisions that were made here. The first provision is this. God made a provision for sorrow. I can't imagine all that would have happened in Abraham's heart had he been the means of destroying his son. I can't imagine that. Maybe you can't imagine, but I would would guess that most of us would struggle. What exactly would that entail? The truth is, Abraham never had to know because God stepped in and made a provision so that that sorrow that Abraham would have had to to face the rest of his life wasn't a reality because God provided a lamb. God made a provision for sorrow. I want you to consider this. God made a provision for sin. God made a provision for sin on the mount. We understand the burnt offering. We, we who have studied, we realize that the lamb was a substitute and the, and the lamb was, uh, was done because man is a sinner. I want you to understand something. That provision that is spoken of is foretold in this story. That provision was a very serious provision. You see, all throughout human history, there has been a problem of sin. There's a problem of sin because you and I are sinners. That's just the way it is. And so because we are sinners, something has to be done about our sin. Well, there's all kinds of answers that religion wants to give. They want you to work so that you can become a better person. Some people say, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Some people say, keep this code of ethics. Some people say, do these good deeds. Nobody here is against doing good deeds, but I want you to understand, good deeds do not cancel out sin. They never have, and they never will. And so... By sacrificing this lamb, there was a provision for sin. But I want you to notice, finally, there was a provision for substitution. A provision for substitution. Look what it says in verse 13. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering. Notice these words, in the stead of. Abraham offered these things up in the stead of his son. What does that mean? That means that Isaac was supposed to die that day, but instead the ram died in his place. Now I want you to hear me and hear me well. The ultimate fulfillment of Jehovah Jireh is not God providing for my physical needs, like a truck or like whatever it is that you may think of. The ultimate fulfillment of Jehovah Jireh is sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sin and mine. Hear me, just as that ram died in the stead of Isaac, so Jesus died in my stead and in your stead. And I want you to understand, if you're here without the Lord Jesus today, Jehovah Jireh, God has seen to it a means of provision whereby you can be saved for all of time and all of eternity. That's the ultimate fulfillment of this portion of Scripture. And God has seen to it for a means for you to be saved. I want to just, as we go, I just want to think about this passage of Scripture, how it applies to you and to me today. Let me have every head bowed, every eye closed. You don't need to look at your watch. It's still working. It's fine. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this opportunity to look into the Word of God. And Lord, it's a wonderful thing when you step in and do great things for us. You see to it, you provide for us. And Father, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts as we've heard from this story this morning. I wonder, would there be some people here you'd say, you know, Brother Paul, there was a day when I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I understood that Jesus died in my place, and if I were to die today, I would go straight to be with the Lord in heaven. I know that I'm saved. If that describes you, would you just lift up your hand right now, all over the auditorium this morning. I know that I'm saved, Brother Paul. There's not a doubt in my mind. I know that I'm saved. God bless you. Many hands. Thank you. You can put those down. Thank you. Now, for those of you that just raised your hand, you have partaken of the ultimate fulfillment of Jehovah Jireh. But I want to say this. God wants to continue to provide for you as well. But he's looking for the same attitude that he found in Abraham to be true of you. Are you available? Are you dependable? Are you surrendered? If you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, those are some questions that you're going to have to answer for yourself between you and the Lord. One final question, and we'll move into a time of invitation. Let me ask you this. Would there be someone here that would say, you know, Brother Paul, I couldn't raise my hand just a moment ago because, Brother Paul, I'm not sure that I'm saved. As you and the pastor are scanning the crowd this morning, I wonder, would you pray for me because I'm not sure that I'm saved? If that describes you, would you just lift up your hand and hold it up for a moment? I'm not sure that I'm saved. God bless you. I see that one back there. Thank you. You can put that one down. Someone else. Include me in the prayer, Brother Paul, Brother Monday. I'm not sure that I'm saved. Would you pray for me? Anyone else? Anyone else while we wait? All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you, but I'm going to invite you at the same time. We're going to have a time of invitation. You're going to hear the pianist begin to play in just a moment. As soon as you hear the pianist strike that first chord on the piano, I'm going I'm to encourage you, find the nearest aisle, slip out of your place, and come to the front. Someone will be waiting here to meet you at the front. You come to the person at the front and say, Pastor, or whoever it may be, I'm not sure that I'm saved. That's all you have to say. We'll have someone take a Bible and show you how to be saved. Now, my prayer can't save you, but you can make a decision to trust Christ today, and it is our, it, it is our desire that you do so. You can do so. If you come, and let us show you what the Bible has to say. May we stand to our feet, please. Everyone standing this morning. Everyone standing. Father in heaven, you have seen one hand of an an individual that has said by lifting the hand, I'm not sure that I'm saved. pray for me. And so I bring this individual before you today, praying for them. Lord, you know the story. You know the background. You know the history or whatever it may be. You know all of that. And Father, I pray that you would impart courage to this heart and that this this individual would respond today and let us help them from an open Bible and show them what the Bible says about not only being saved, but knowing that we're saved for all of time and all of eternity. I pray for those Christians to whom you've spoken. I pray that they would, uh, they would surrender and they would uh, obey you as well. We ask in, the, in Jesus' name. Amen. The pianist is playing right now. If God has spoken to your heart, saved, unsaved, you need to come, I would invite you to come. Now, one of you has raised your hand. You've said to Pastor Monday and to me, pray for me, gentlemen. I'm not sure that I'm saved. Now, I've prayed for you. Would you slip out and come right now? Would you slip out and come right now? The ultimate provision has been given to you in the the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you come right now? You just obey the Lord today. In the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Jireh, God's provision for you and for me. How about it, Christian? All of us want the provisions that God has to give, but not all of us are willing to surrender in order to get there. The pianist continues to play. The folks being dealt with right now, if you need to come, you just obey the Lord this morning. folks are being dealt with right now. What about you? Do you need to come? If you need to come, you slip out right now. There's time. There's opportunity. There's space for you. The pianist continues to play. You just obey the Lord. If you need to come, you come. The pastor to come, Pastor Monday to come. He can close as he sees fit. Thank you, Pastor.
1: Thank you, bro. Thank you, Paul. <clears throat> you know, I was thinking about um several of you sitting in here today, and uh Several years ago, uh, God used a crisis in our life to uh, remind me that uh, we need to to give our family and leave them on the altar and leave them for God. And uh, some of you guys sitting in here have had to do that after they're gone. And, uh, you know, I hope that can help you. With the ones that you've lost, that um, the ultimate sacrifice was made, and that you can understand and and see how God has used that sacrifice that was made to take that loved one to bring you to a closer place in your life and a relationship with Christ that you've never had before. And it's difficult. It is difficult to lose a loved one. But what a help that is. I've read that passage hundreds of times. And today just gripped my heart and made me realize how important it is that God is the owner of everything. And uh, we need to uh, lay that on the altar. And you need to lay your heart on that altar, too, and uh, praise the Lord for decisions made today. I pray that you guys have uh, been blessed today by the preaching of God's word, and uh, look forward to being back tonight. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the decisions made. I pray you bless and guide us now, and take us home safely in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless.